Okay, so you watched the entire first season? Yes. That fucking dance routine that she did? Yeah. Tell me that wasn't fucking hot. Oh, that was, was good. Yeah. I mean, I know she's not like your... Now, like, when you say hot on the Troy scale, how many times did you crank it to it? Two. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it was it was one of those things you're watching, and like, you kind of like, oh, hey, what's going on over here? <laughs> kind of perk up in the seat a little bit there. But I'm confused. You said you cranked it twice to that. Didn't you say like five times to Gene Smart in that series? Gene Smart? Is that the old bag? Yeah. I I know she's not she's not what everyone would consider like smoking hot, but I pranked it to Gene Smart. Theme song. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we are tonight. We are going to witness the most anticipated match in the history of professional wrestling. And this is the main event of the evening. Please welcome your host for today. Jason is here. Dude, I, I swear to God, I'm not as big an asshole as it sounds like. And Troy is here. Hey, I call them like I see them, all right? Uh, look at it this way. It's the first thing we've done together as a team. I grab my dick, you grab your dick. You work my arm, I work your arm. Same time. Same time. It's like jerking off together, but not gay. We're not touching dicks. Each other's dicks, anyway. I'm touching my own dick. You're working it, and I'm loving it. Well, enough is enough, and it's time for... The Rundown. Ladies and gentlemen, we are here to eat ass and kick bubblegum, and we're all out of bubblegum. It's the Rundown Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host, Troy. With me is Jason. I know I, I slid over into the host chair yesterday, so I left a little something, a little couple stains over there for you. So uh, if it's a little squishy, you know, sorry about that. Hey, hey, it's all it, it, it's all in fun. It's all in good fun, as long as you enjoy it. I am back this week. Um, of course, I had to take last week off because uh, I had to get. You, uh, you were on assignment. I was on assignment. Um, yes, I had to. I had to finish Glow Stick, and that was my assignment, and I did it. I got it done before the premiere. So. Uh, Jason can attest that that even though the episode went up on premiere day, it was up there the night before. So, yes, yes, yep. it was. I was told to get it Which done. Which you would all know if you would become patrons of this show and you would get early access to the shows. That's right. Except I'd never put glow stick on that when I have early access to it. But whatever. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna start things. Kayfabe, Troy. Kayfabe. Oh yes, yes. Sorry, that's right. All right. So we're gonna start off with some uh, some shitty news uh, because Matt Capitelli. Uh, lost his battle with his brain tumor and passed away on June 29th. Um, some of our younger fans might not not know Matt that well, um, but uh, Tough Enough 3 was the first time that we met Matt Capitelli. Him and John Hennigan wound up being the co-winners of that, uh, that season. Um, that also, uh, of course, that season is most known for um, that crazy bitch Lisa, who went nutso and threw herself into walls and tried to get backstage at Raw one of the times. Um, but Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> that season is most well-known for Hardcore Holly beating the shit out of Capitelli in the ring. That's true. That's true. That's yeah. that's the lasting enduring image from that season of Tough Enough, I think, honestly. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Matt, of course, uh, um, was a phenomenal wrestler, a, a, just a, a decent stand-up guy as well. Uh, was signed to OVW after winning Tough Enough, wound up winning their, their heavyweight championship there. 
all looked like he was going to be uh, the next big thing. Uh, had a kind of a cup of coffee up in WWE, uh, joined the APA back uh, barroom brawl, but then uh, was diagnosed with a malignant brain tumor and had to first put wrestling on hold and then retire altogether. But he became uh, a trainer with uh, OBW and WWE. But yeah, um, we heard a couple months ago that uh, um, that Matt's wife announced that he was not going to have any more medical interventions and was going to let nature take its course because things just were not going well. And yes, he did, in fact, die at the age of 38. So um, just a, a, a real shame. And, you know, you, you got a bunch of people, a bunch of wrestlers breaking kayfabe and actually talking about Matt um, and talking about what he he meant to them and and meeting him and things like that and the fact that he was a genuine genuine good dude um, and you know he will be missed. Yeah, and I, you talked about that. I, I remember watching that season of Tough Enough, and and Matt had just an innate charisma. You could almost tell from the jump that he was going to be one of the finalists, if not a winner. Um, and you just for those of you who are not familiar picture the the type of performer that vince mcmahon has wet dreams about just well put together Mm -hmm. blonde flowing hair blue eyes just your all-american kid um absolutely would have been a complete stud in the wrestling business uh and just that the world had the universe had a different plan for him unfortunately and it was a a very shitty one Mm -hmm. uh and you know definitely uh, going to be missed and, and really just sort of a tragedy all around that he never got to realize that potential that he had. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a shame. Uh, go ahead and edit a Ted Bell salute into this episode. Uh, then after you're done editing that, <laughs> after you're done editing that in, uh, edit in the intro to our next segment. The perfect ten. A ten. A ten. A fucking ten. We kick off the perfect ten with Curtis Axel dancing. So um, the B squad continues to sorry B team whatever job squad B team uh, continue to win. Um, look prime to to possibly take the championships off of Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt. Um, well, about that. About that, yeah. Um, but yeah, so Curtis Axel doing the lunch, or, uh, is it lunch bag or backpack kid? Lunch bag, whatever the so fuck it is. the floss. The floss, yeah. Doing doing the dance after winning and everything like that. Curtis Axel has always been kind of a, a favorite of the rundown here um, for a guy who probably deserves a little bit better of a push, but will most likely never really get there. Um but uh, but yeah, so uh, I I put it in as the best thing on TV. I was joking because the the this is still continuing to mock the fact that uh, we have tag teams that we're deciding just not to fucking use um, in the tag team scene at least. Um, a, a thrown together tag team is going to face off against a thrown together tag team at Extreme Rules if um, everyone can actually get to the arena in a rent a car. But more on that later uh so tell me what you hate most about the b team um well here's the thing and much like most things with vince mcmahon involved 
Um, the first week they did their impressions of Wyatt and Hardy, it was actually really funny. Mm-hmm. And then they did it again the following week. Mm-hmm. And then they did it again this week. Mm-hmm. And now I fucking can't stand it. Yes. Um, see also, I mean, it's the, not quite see also the fashion time. smile. The, the fashion files is another one of those things. Well, we, at least the fashion files was different every week. They were doing something to mix it up. They had different guests. They had the Easter eggs on the bulletin board. There was stuff there to keep you entertained and engaged in what they were doing. This is literally the same fucking thing every week. And it's, these, these things are not compelling when Hardy and Wyatt do them. So why we would we think they are compelling to be parodied doesn't make any sense to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel bad because Curtis Axel is a hell of a performer who I think, honestly, if you just straight up pushed him as Joe Hennig, the son of Kurt, Kurt Hennig, I think you'd have something there. Um, because he wouldn't have to be goofy. He wouldn't, he'd just be able to sort of be an ass kicker and would get over on that, but they've just never trusted him with it. So, yeah, he's, he's the type of guy who he's not going to wow you with his, his in-ring performance, but he is good. He is a very competent worker. He's a very safe worker. Um, and he's a guy who I feel like they could have just made him Mr. Perfect 2.0 and it would have worked great. You know, because he's got, he's able to play that arrogance, um, and his wrestling is very similar to what his dad did. You know, his dad wasn't one of those. He was very technical, but he wasn't one of those guys that you're like, this is a fucking must see match. It was all about the character with Mister Perfect. Mm. So yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. And you still know, waiting for that rematch with Triple H. Yep. Um, and you know, of course, you know, Bo Dallas is another one of those kind of guys that um, ton of potential. Um, had a really good character down in NXT and just kind of got whitewashed when he came up here to, to WWE and they haven't really figured out how to use him. Um, See, Bo, I never I never really had the same feelings for. Bo, to me, was always sort of comic relief a la Santino, at least in the way his character was booked. So I never had very good um, feelings or, or, or impressions of Bo Dallas as a, as a top-notch guy on the main mm-hmm. roster. I think... Curtis Axel could have been that guy. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. Uh, you know, obviously uh, Curtis is the better better worker of the two, and and the better talker as well. Um, Bo has his moments, but he is still Bo. Um, so breaking news: Ray Mysterio signed a two year contract to return to WWE, and he will be returning soon after, of course. Um, going through his physicals and, and everything like that and taking care of some of the uh, dates that he might have signed up for on the independence. Um, this is, of course, also coming on heels of him being announced as a pre-order bonus. But yes, uh, uh, Rey Mysterio will join um, potentially as early as the SmackDown in Brooklyn two days after SummerSlam, but uh, but we'll see. But yeah, that's uh, breaking news that Rey Mysterio is returning to WWE on a two-year contract. And uh, what do you see feel... That- what this is interesting to me because another news that broke today, um, Diana Perrazzo had to remove herself from the All In show mm-hmm. uh, because of her contractual status having signed with WWE. I would imagine now Mysterio will also have to follow suit and remove himself from the All In show for which he was booked. So clearly, Cody Rhodes still doing the work of Vince McMahon. Yeah, um, of course. There's the 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 big rumor out there is that uh, the WWE is going to try to make some Godfather offers to the entirety of the Bullet Club, 
um, in order to bring them in so they can job out to the Ascension. Uh, I mean, at but, least they already have Cody under contract. Yeah, yeah. Of course, he'll. It just means that Cody will be back soon after um, All In. Uh, Kenny Omega, of course, has has sort of been been talking up the fact that he might you know, be interested in going and working some of the guys in WWE. I, so I just, can't imagine after they just put that title on him that they're gonna. I mean, that was a two-year story build. I can't imagine that it wasn't with some sort of verbal commitment that he's sticking around for a while. Yeah, I don't I don't think that it's eminent. I just think that probably within a year, um, him and, and the Young Bucks might be looking to uh, to join up with WWE. Um, but, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. I, see, I don't see the Young Bucks having success anywhere but in NXT. No, I don't either. Unless and until Hunter is in charge. If Hunter's yeah. in charge of the main roster, I can see him using the Young Bucks in a way that gets them over on the main roster. Vince will never put these guys over to that degree. So if they are to sign up, it's a straight cash grab. And I, I'm not going to fault them for that, but that would be what they'd be signing up for. Right, and you, you have to remember as well that uh, these are guys that um, they, they don't play the backstage politics um, and that's something that's going to be detrimental to him with a lot of these asshole veterans walking around back there too, is that, you know, a lot of, a lot of the veterans, I shouldn't say a lot of the veterans, certain veterans that we know do these kinds of things in the back, uh, take offense if they don't have their asses kissed and the young bucks have shown in the past that they're not willing to do that. Hence with the whole Booker T situation that happened before. Um, yes, sir. Yes. No, when you're ready, when you're done, go ahead. Okay, um, and the and just the fact that um, you know this is kind of the new wave of of wrestlers is they they're not sitting there and they they realize that this is a professional business and that they shouldn't have to go and shake the hands of a fucking commentator because he's been in the business for thirty years. They should just be able to go in there and do their job. Oh fuck that! That's uh, I hate that because I, I hear it from other people too. It's like I. I to get annoyed by the fact that the, the custom is to shake hands in the back when you arrive. Like, is there anything wrong with a, a little show of respect to the other people working the show with you? Like, I, I don't understand why people get so worked up. It takes you 30 seconds to shake someone's hand. Just go fucking do it. Right, but I think that uh, um, it's there, one of those things. There's nothing wrong with keeping some traditions of old school wrestling alive. Yeah, the the issue is, is is there's going to be the other traditions of old school wrestling that should be done with that I think is going to be the issue. Um, and we and we know it. You're dealing with a, a ton of different personalities. You're dealing with a mm-hmm. ton of egos, and you're not going to make everybody happy. And the problem is on uh, on most jobs or or most different even taking away from like normal jobs sort of like that and looking at like professional sports teams and stuff like that you typically don't let you know the the veterans kind of run the show and you know there's still there still needs to be somebody in charge there and um when you can have people kind of affecting pushes and things like that because they don't like the fact that these young guys are coming in and taking their spot and stuff like that you know we know that has happened it doesn't happen quite as much anymore because i think the business is changing Uh, but of course we know you know 10 years ago we were still having that situation you know um we've heard all the stories back in the 90s as well you know guys like stone cold have come out and said that they've you know they did things to try to because they were so protective of their spot and things like that Mm -hmm. um we don't see but that's how it should be 
See, that to, that to me is sort of the edge that's missing in wrestling now is guys aren't going out and trying to be the best on the show. It's all guaranteed. They're all buddies. They're all hanging out together. Nobody's got that killer instinct that you talked about Austin. Austin and Rock, every night they went out there, were trying to one-up each other. They were trying to be the main thing on that fucking show, and the company was better for it. Yeah. And, you know, part of that might be the fact that there are other places you can go to make money. Whereas back in the day, you had one of two options. No, 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 because you had WCW was humming along, giving out huge money at that point still. I just said that. You had one of two options. Oh, sorry. If you, but well, it, but if, you burned, this, if you burned your bridge at WCW and went to WWE, you knew you, knew you had to work your balls off because if you burned that bridge, where are you going to fucking go? You know? Well, and they still take you back. There were all sorts of guys yeah. going back and forth. But, uh, but I think that's, uh, you know... Most of these guys are content where they're at, and if and they know if I if I lose my job, I can just go to the Indies and probably make more money. Um, maybe you know travel less than I am right now and things like that. And a lot of them, because of the fact that they have built these kind of backstage friendships and stuff like that, will continue to have a job like Zack Ryder and just kind of sit. But look, I mean, look at JTG. The guy fucking didn't wrestle for six fucking fucking years with the company and still had a job the entire time just because of the fact that people liked him. You know, and I think that 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 has become a bigger commodity for a wrestler is be likable than be a main superstar kind of thing. So, and yeah, we we do want to see, you know, some of these guys to to take that, you know, the whole brass ring thing that we've had before and stuff like that. Um, but then, of course, you know, it's it's another one of the things you look at. What's what are you doing? That's not actually talking about. That was actually. No, I the, know. Okay. I know, but but you're you gonna, got that you're down, down there. there so. Okay. So I don't know. We'll <laughs> we'll we'll see. But speaking of uh, of people affecting pushes, we had um, a, a little bit of. This is going to be another one of those touchy subjects. Um, one, I'm going to be touching my penis because we're going to be talking about Taylor Hendricks and her massive titties, and two, we're going to be talking about speculation. And things that we don't really know 100% about. So we're just going to try to provide the facts. And I guess if we want to talk about our opinions, we can. But Taylor Hendricks accused Jay Lethal of killing her push in TNA because she she, she, she said... Our she, Ring of Honor. Oh, yes, our Ring of Honor. Yep, sorry. Uh, in Ring of Honor because she refused to sleep with him. That's what she said. So, of right. course, that in order... F- I'm... I hesitate to say one way or the other if it's true or false. Um, well, we could. It's, it's, okay, so let's yeah. let's put the disclaimer out here. We yeah. don't know whether it's true or false. Right. Th- nothing we say is intended to um, dis- disparage either side. We're simply sort of playing devil's advocate on both mm-hmm. ends of the spectrum here. I think a little bit because yeah. we don't know. It is a fairly hot topic that just broke recently, uh, of course, made bigger by the fact that Jay Lethal just became a two-time Ring of Honor heavyweight champion mm-hmm. this past week. Uh, so the story is hot right now, and it does deserve some discussion. Yeah. Um, it, it is an uncomfortable sort of topic to discuss because you don't want to be in a scenario where you're accusing somebody of, of making up an accusation like that or, or in any way diminish what they went through uh, should that accusation be true right we're not we're not what's nxt we don't sit there and just make wild accusations without all the facts 
Yeah, we're not going to sit here and automatically assume because a woman said Jay Lethal did this that he absolutely did yeah. is a huge piece of shit and should be ki- drawn and quartered yeah. and killed. Because you have to look at this piece by piece. Because you first have to say, okay, is Jay Lethal that close with ROH booking that he would be able to have any say in how somebody is booked? Okay, so let, can, I, can I just give a little backstory because I don't know how familiar you are with how this came about. Um, this originally came about based on a tweet. Uh, Taylor Hendricks has been doing a lot of uh, self-promoting on Twitter lately, and well, she should. She's trying to make her increase her brand, get herself booked. Uh, she's been doing a lot of indie shows lately. Um, somebody had tweeted to her that they they missed the House of Truth, which it was a faction in Ring of Honor with which which was uh, Jay Lethal, Truth Martini, and Taylor Hendricks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some other people in and out, but that was the, the crux of the group. Go on. Um, to which Taylor said, I don't. It should have been the House of Hendricks. Truth never did anything. And the only thing that Jay ever got over doing was impressions of old wrestlers or something. To, I'm paraphrasing, but it was something to mm-hmm. that extent. Uh, to which somebody then said, well, you're sort of selling him short. He's a two-time champion. He's had great matches, blah, 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 and and espousing the virtues of Jay Lethal as a performer. And then in a response to that, she sort of threw in this whole thing about, oh, well, he got me fired uh, with the creative. uh, He got me kicked out of, basically kicked out of the company for refusing to sleep with him. Um, So it wasn't like she blatantly came forward and said it was more like, I want to shit on this guy. Mm-hmm. You're telling me how great this guy is, so now I can't disparage his in-ring performance, so now I'm going to talk about he's a shitty person. Right. And it may very well be true. I don't know Jay that well. I, I, I have a vague passing um, interaction on a couple occasions with Taylor. No, I'm not going to sit here and proclaim myself to be close to her. I, I've said hi and shaken her hand a couple times. I think mm-hmm. that's about it. And looked her tits. Uh, <laughs> but... Uh, and, and I really have no intimate relationship with uh, with Jay Lethal. I don't think I've I may have met him once. I don't think I've I don't, but I'm not even sure about that. Um, but in any event, I can tell you that Jay Lethal was the trainer for AJ Lee, who he did engage in a long relationship with. Mm-hmm. So obviously, sort of dipping his you know thing in the company yeah he's putting his penis into the people he's working with yep yes so we know (laughs) that um now that's not an uncommon thing in professional wrestling and i have very little doubt that jay lethal probably wanted to sleep with taylor Hendricks because because most people do (laughs) right and and she's a very very attractive woman um where for me the, the story gets dangerous is to throw out there an accusation that he leveraged that because Nowhere in there does he. She sort of say, "He said, do this, or I'm gonna, or I'm gonna right. get you fired." Yeah. Her accusation is that he went behind her back to creative to get them to you know, basically say, "We got nothing for you." Um, yeah. CM so, Punk got fired, and AJ Lee was still on the show in WWE. Mm-hmm. So I, I just sort of have a hard time resigning myself to the notion that Jay Lethal despite the fact that he's a top performer in that company, would have enough stroke to say, hey, here's this really attractive girl that's really marketable that could make us a lot of money. 
but I don't want you to use her because she won't fuck me. Right. So it doesn't make it, it. Just it's a hard hard sell for me. Yeah. So here's here's the sort of things that I've been hearing in regards to the story. You get some people that are instantly vilifying Jay Lethal. Of course. Um, you have other people who are saying, well, you know, everyone. Uh, well, every every there's just a ton of people who have said that Jay Lethal is is a great guy. It it only takes one interaction with one person for that that good guy image to be taken out. So you can't and make one that person's either. perception. It yeah. doesn't even have to be reality. It just has to be that person's perception of what exactly, happened. exactly. Because yeah, you can be a, a tremendously great guy to ninety nine point nine percent of the people you meet, but it's that one person you hit with your fucking car and bury in the back of your your garage that makes the difference and and yeah we so you can't you got to throw all of that shit out what you got to look at is is uh, okay so we know that taylor Hendricks didn't get over an roh and she did have the opportunity to get over an roh it didn't happen and so that so so we know that as a fact we know she was put into a a, a pretty a, a pretty big storyline with you know two very big workers jay, uh, jay and truth martini and it didn't really work out and then eventually the company fired her because she wasn't drawing she wasn't getting over with the crowd stuff like that so now, this is also just to, just as a point of clarification too mm-hmm. this is also a woman who has been let go by wwe developmental and mm-hmm. impact developmental so right. um she does have a history of, despite her tremendous look and actually mm-hmm. very decent talent in the ring right to the history of being told you know it's not going to work out for yeah. you here yeah so now you take you take two single people two incredibly good looking people and let's say um one of them is black and one of them is white and that black person goes up to that white person and says uh i would really like to plow you and she says no thank you and he says goodbye and he walks away and then they don't have that much interaction with each other after that. They don't bring it up anymore. And then eventually she gets let go. Could it be said that maybe she is seeing causation where there isn't actually causation or doesn't want to blame, blame her own shortcomings for why things didn't work out instead looks at it as I had this one interaction that went a little South and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to blame that even though I've got no other proof that that was actually what happened. Or let me do, let me do one better. And, mm-hmm. and I, I guess this could be construed negatively too, but it could be a, it, it seems like a potential plausible scenario. And mm-hmm. again, I have no in, intimate knowledge of this. This is just me throwing shit against the wall. Um, let's envision for a second a scenario where at the time, Taylor Hendricks was part of Jay Lethal's crew. He was, she was his manager. Um, he asks her out or asks her for sex, whatever it is. Uh, she expresses that she's not interested in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it becomes an awkward situation for him at that point. He goes to creative, says, listen, it's, you know, things between me and her are a little awkward. I, you know, I'd appreciate if we could find something else for her to do. Mm-hmm. Creative goes, well, we really got nothing else for her, but if you're uncomfortable, we just move on. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't want you to be uncomfortable out there. And, so now she's cut loose from the group she was in. Not to say, and, and this is, like I said, this is coming across sort of shitty, and I'm not intending it to. It's not that she should have had to sleep with him in order to keep her spot. I'm no. not saying that by any stretch. I'm just saying from a creative standpoint, if they don't know the whole story and they only know that, hey, you know, she and I aren't getting along, mm-hmm. and that's all that they've been told, 
Okay, we'll split you guys up. No problem. We don't want anyone to be uncomfortable. All right, well, we've got this storyline. And Jay Lethal didn't go on to, like, after he dropped the title, he spent a good amount of time losing, was not at the top of the cards. He wasn't, like, a main focal point after he dropped that title to Cody. Um, but maybe they split them up and they said, okay, well, we don't really have a ton for Jay, and we got this Women of Honor thing starting up. And I guess that's sort of the red flag, I, if you wanted to throw one, is that they knew they were starting their women's division. Taylor Hendricks is a very competent worker, um, and you would think that they would want her around. So the fact that they released her or didn't have anything to use her for uh, while that was going on sort of could, could be a red flag. Um, I, like I said, I don't know the details. It just struck me as very strange the way the whole thing came about. Like I said, it wasn't her her tweeting and saying, listen, I've been silent about this for too long, blah, blah, blah. It was uh, somebody referencing that relationship the business relationship, her saying, no, they both suck, fuck them, I was better. Him saying, well, actually, he's quite a great worker. Oh, no, he's a shitty person because he, like, it's just the way that the whole announcement came about seemed really weird to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and again, I mean, you look at it as, you know, with the whole women of honor thing, you know, that was September 29th when they started up the Women of Honor um, whole thing. And a couple, and it was, what is that? Six months later, she was gone. Six months right. that she yeah. she was on the Women of Honor rest, roster. If she wasn't impressive during that time or if, if, the, if they just felt, yeah, you know what? You know, she's not really getting over it like that. They gave her a chance and it didn't work out. So that's the way I look at it as. And and again, you can, you know, I I have a hard time I don't know. Well, it's it's very easy and to, I guess this was sort of the point you were getting at earlier. It's very easy to take two separate isolated events mm-hmm. and draw a line to connect the two. Yeah. But that line may be drawn in pencil and very easily erased. Right. Um there has to you know, unless it's an in ink, unless there's some direct correlation it's hard to make that case and accuse somebody of something unless, like I said, it could very well be he tried to bang her. She said no. He said, hey, this, you know, went to creative and said, hey, I'm uncomfortable working with her. There's some tension there. We need to be separated. Okay, fine. What do we do with her now? That's yeah. That was sort of weird. Like, it could be something as simple as that. Even her to her part, I haven't seen anything to, by her part that said, that showed any evidence or any any allegations even that he overtly said, sleep with me or I'm going to get you fired. Right. The, the, she, the intimation on her part was she refused to sleep with him and then he went behind her back to creative. But I don't know how you prove that. Well, and again, it's another one of those situations where if she's getting it secondhand and somebody said, oh, yeah, he was saying that, that they need to get rid of you or whatever like that. Well, you're not getting it from the source. You're getting it from, in all honesty, you never quite know about how some personalities are backstage. Sometimes on the indies, people will lie to try to get in under your skin and try to get you, you know, uh, on tilt and maybe try to get things off things for themselves. And or she get, went to somebody else in creative who also wanted to bang her. And he's like, hey, I'm not the bad guy here. Yeah. The only happened was that Jay came to yeah. us. And we don't know the whole story. And she so hasn't much. Yeah. She hasn't provided us with anything else other than that no. one, that one, that one and thing that she said. And that, I guess, to me is my biggest issue with this. I don't know who's guilty. I don't know who like 
my biggest thing is to just throw a fucking bomb like that at somebody and their career without backing anything up to me is just irresponsible. And I feel like we sort of live in a generation now where, and again, this may be 100% legit, and I don't mean to demean this, but we live in sort of a world where if I don't get what I want, it's not because it's me. It, there must be this other reason. It's sexism. Yeah. It's ageism. It's racism. It's a, there's always something where it's someone else's fault instead of being sort of introspective and saying, well, what did I do? That's not to say that sexism, racism, ageism, that that stuff doesn't exist because it 100% does, and there are very legitimate cases of it. But there are also a whole lot of people who use it as an excuse for their own shortcomings. Right. We also live in a world where tweeting can get you in trouble. See Leo Rush and Josh Breedle. Um We also live in, in a world where tweeting can cause you to burn some bridges. See Taylor Hendricks saying that she was thinking of not resigning with Impact, and now they will never hire her back. See you know her having some issues... And burning some other bridges in terms of things and being and now with this, ROH is probably not going to hire her back because I, I, I think down know. in WWE developmental they had her doing like a lesbian angle. Well, I mean, uh, come on, at one point, and, <laughs> but like that was okay. She was comfortable with pretending mm-hmm. to be a lesbian and being as part of her employment to, to they could just yeah I don't know yeah. I, I, if it did happen to her and, and she's and it's a hundred percent legit I I feel horrible and she shouldn't have to go through that and it's awful. And whoever was involved in it should lose their job for it. Right. Um, so let's. So but let's I don't. Then... I don't subscribe to this notion that, like we said with during the Enzo thing, where the accusation comes out and we immediately form a mob mentality and try to get rid. Like I, I want to know that this person is guilty before I grab the pitch for Right. It. So we've had another accusation that has kind of substantiated for a couple of years now. And that was that Alexa Bliss likes to fuck around. And because of the fact that she likes to uh, to have tons of hot sex, that that is the reason she's in the spot that she is. So this has been something even since her NXT days, where it was, mm-hmm. oh, she's a ring rat, she's just mm-hmm. she's just fucking every dude or whatever like that and trying, you know, trying to get a bigger push. Um to me, I have always looked at that as it's it's a gigantic cat fight between some of these women sometimes who are trying to make a WWE roster, trying to make it, and you know, sadly, sometimes that they that there are these rumors that go around like that, and we've seen it from every fucking person. We've seen it from the men, we've seen it from the women. That sometimes this shit kind of you know that that you've got people that are trying to you know to take other people's spots and stuff like that. So we have talked for a long time that Alexa so- isn't in the spot that she is because of the fact that she is tremendous on the mic. She's over with the fucking crowd. That is something that you cannot say that she doesn't have, doesn't have that spot because of the fact that she's over with the crowd and she's done a great job. So, so, so not to cut you off, but for those who are not familiar with the story, you're so you're sort of jumping ahead. Cause, cause I was giving, I, I was story. giving backstory. Then okay. Okay. Go it. ahead. Yep. Sorry. Yeah. So because, because this wasn't just, just something that was kind of thrown out there. This has been something that's been going on for a while with the, with the whole Alexa Bliss thing. So we, you know, we we know how things can be. Sometimes we know how people can be. You know, they'll start to throw rumors around and try to say, "Oh, she didn't earn her spot. He didn't earn his spot." You know, oh, you know, he's only there because, you know, because this guy or like that. She's only there because she's the Rock's cousin. That kind of thing. So Nia Jax 
who obviously, you know, has had has been in a feud with Alexa and obviously probably a little salty because her title reign got cut really short and Alexa got the title right back. Uh, unfriended Alexa on face or on Twitter and started liking tweets from people who are assholes claiming that Alexa bliss only has her spot because she's sleeping with backstage officials. So this is not, this is not a work. I believe the phrase was riding officials. Yes, uh, this 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 is not a work to try to substantiate their feud or anything like that. This apparently was a legit thing that Nia Jax believes that Alexa Bliss is banging dudes to get her spot. Now, to me, unless you're fucking Vince McMahon, that's rather difficult to do because no, no, you know, no, no. no. But I understand. I, mean, I understand. How do you think the, Triple H got all those WrestleMania main events? Yeah, because he was sucking Vince McMahon's cock. I mean, the, the person you're banging, even if it's not Vince, can have a direct impact on... I mean, Rosa Mendez had a decades-long career in WWE because she was banging Michael Hayes. Yeah, I understand so, that. Yeah. Um, now, if this, was, if this was a case of... If, if somebody said Roman Reigns only has his spot because he, he's banging Stephanie McMahon, I would be on Linda, but... Okay, well, that's, <laughs> that's a funnier joke. That would be something I'd be like, okay that might have some legs on it because at this point the crowd has turned on him. Maybe, you know, do he you, shouldn't have a spot like that. Do but you think before he busts that nut, he goes, ah. I assume that he cocks his fist and rams it right down her poop shoot. But you know, that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's either here nor there. Um, I'm, I'm in a bad position here because um, I loves me some Alexa bliss. And I look at Nia Jax as somebody who only has her position because of who she's related to. So when I see somebody like that trying to say, well, she's only got her position because who she's fucking, I go, eh, pot, kettle, black, that kind of thing. Um, but here's the other thing. That shows a complete lack of professionalism for her to turn around and start, because these tweets would probably not be seen by other people if not for Nia Jax liking them and things like that. You know, it brings, because she's got much more followers and things like that. But also it's, it's, workplace gossip that you're substantiating it's internet gossip that you're substantiating and you have to work with this person whether you like it or not and you're in a big feud with them whether you like it or not right now and to me it's it's a little bit of online bullying no alexa's the bully i think we covered that yeah leading into wrestlemania the the, the big strong woman is being bullied no I, first off i don't know how much of this is a work and how much of it's a shoot um it has a lot of earmarks of them trying to work social media, which is something that they've sort of taken more and more interest in doing. And you see sort of guys in feuds kind of arguing with each other over social media. We had a big, uh, we had a big discussion God, about a year ago, I think when Ty Dillinger and the Miz got into it on social media. Um, so this stuff happens. I don't know how legit this is. If we're going to operate under the assumption that it is legit, uh, for purposes of our commentary on it. Uh, it's sort of an interesting tie-in to our previous story because Alexa is a grown-ass woman, and she's free to have sex with whomever she wants to have sex with. Uh, that is her entirely her prerogative, and she should not be judged for it. Uh, I, I hate the phrase slut-shaming because I think it implies a negative connotation on some 
woman who simply enjoys having sex. Uh, not that, and there shouldn't be any sort of pejorative placed on that. But at the same time, similar to what I said with Taylor Hendricks, to the extent of, okay, you're going to accuse this person trying to sleep with you and, and drawing that correlation. I say the same thing here. Even let's, let's say for the sake of argument, Naya knows for a fact that Alexa is having sex with Shane McMahon. Prove that she did that not because she enjoys having sex with Shane McMahon, but prove she did that to, to get a bigger push. You know, you can't just draw two things that happen and correlate them simply because you want that to be the case. Right. That's the, that's the truth or mentality in this country. It's like, I don't need actual evidence. These two things are here. I can draw a line between them, and now I, in my mind they are fact, and right. that's not how evidence works. Right. I don't believe that Xavier Woods got a push because he put it into Paige's asshole. I don't believe that at all. I just believe he wanted to put his dick in a, in a white girl's ass. Has he gotten a push? He did an NXT. He wasn't on TV by the, when they were actually when they were fucking each other that one video. He was a little bit after that though, and he got a little bit of a push before he was coming up to the main roster. <laughs> I'm trying to think if I can get away with a white girl's asshole as the show title, but mm. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, let's let's see what else we have. So let's let's <laughs> Let's go ahead and and try to take it back to wrestling here because we could we could continue to spiral down this thing for a while. Uh, the the non wrestling topics this week were far more interesting than the interim stuff. I know because on Raw in the main event, Braun Strowman took Kevin Owens, shoved him into Nia Jax, and then proceeded to launch him off the side of the ring. And of course, because it's 2018 and Vince McMahon is still is still in charge, a poopy joke. Yeah. The only thing missing was uh, David Cross coming out and talking about how Kevin Owens blew himself. Yeah. Yep. So that if happened. If you're not a fan of Arrested Development, you won't get that. No, I, I get it. I just um, didn't care. <laughs> um. Yeah, no, I, it was... Uh, first, why the fuck should I be interested in this feud? And, and this is my biggest problem. At no point in this feud... First, the heel is Kevin Owens. Mm-hmm. So he's already he's already the underdog as the heel, which is a tough sell anyway, um, which we sort of talked about with Alexa and I, sort of a similar scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, but add to that the fact that he's not getting anything. So, like typically in this program, the heel will do something dastardly and leave the face lying and, and it's cheap shot or attack him <laughs> or do something brutal or something. It's just Kevin Owens getting his ass kicked on a regular fucking basis. Right. This, there's, this, there's nothing compelling about it. Right. So this this stems from Kevin Owens taking a 20-foot fall off of a ladder, which kind of, kind of sparked this feud. Uh, then he's proceeded to been fucking running power slammed, thrown to the fucking barricades, slammed through barricades, now thrown into fucking Nia Jax and thrown off the had, side had of the Had his thing. car flipped over. Had his car flipped over, stuff like that. Has he made contact with Braun Strowman yet? I don't think so. Has I mean, you can easily fix this by having him grab fucking Braun Strowman's briefcase and beating him with it. But we haven't seen that. All, like you said, all we've seen is just, hey, look, we can throw Kevin Owens into things because he sells good. Right. And, yeah, so if they're going to meet in a match, you're just going to be like, well, I've already seen the big fucking dude keeps destroying the little fat guy. So why should I watch I, a match where that's just going to happen again? And And the essentially 20-minute potty joke that we got at the end that was the main event of the fucking show yeah 
that was the main event of the show. This is the fucking show that just got sold for a billion dollars for the TV rights to this, and we've got porta potty humor as the main event of the fucking show. You know, we we talked about it two weeks ago, where um, it seems like Vince McMahon, since he signed these contracts, has just been like, that means I can do whatever I want, and has been doing that because we continue to have terribly booked fucking shows. And so, you know what? All right, so here here we go. This is this is the thing. It it, it it's taken a couple of weeks, but here's my fucking rant because I, I have these conversations with people all the time, and these are people who some of some of whom are in the wrestling business. Some of the people in the wrestling business I very much respect. And I have these debates with them all the time because I will sit there on social media and I will shit on things on the product that I don't like. I will give credit to the things that I, are, I, I think are done well, but I will absolutely publicly rip on shit that I think is, is awful. Um, to which I get the response from some people all the time, uh, some, some of whom have been in the business like a grand total of 10 minutes. Um, but I'll hear things like, oh, well, they're still making a ton of fucking money, so obviously they know what they're fucking doing and you don't. And... and it fucking blows my mind that you cannot fucking get that they're two different things entirely. Like, there, you can do something that's making money that doesn't make it good fucking television. The Walking Dead still sends a spell, makes a fuck ton in advertising because the ratings are high. It's not being written well the last few seasons. The stories are not compelling. They're not attracting new viewers. They have status quo viewers who just watch it because it's what they've always fucking done. The numbers aren't growing on Raw. They're declining. The reason that overall the product is worth more is because they added a third hour, which adds an entire extra hour of ad revenue. That's why their money is up while their ratings are down. It's a very smart business practice on their part. However, it doesn't indicate in any way that the... The house show business is down. The merchandise is down. The live event numbers are down. Hell, they have to paper the crowd and still have to move everyone off the hard cam side because they can't fill a fucking arena. Think back to the Attitude Era. That shit was sold out in 30 minutes. You couldn't get a goddamn ticket. So please don't sit here and tell me that simply because they're selling, they're making money and their stock is going up, that the creative is good. They're two entirely fucking different things. Two entirely different departments. Their branding and marketing department is different than their creative department. So their branding and marketing and business aspect can be excellent and on point and well run. And their creative department can be the drizzling shits. And that's what we're seeing. And that's what I'm saying. And if anybody has a problem with that, I defy you to tell me how those two fucking things, how selling a lot of money automatically makes bad writing good. Yeah, I want to remind everybody that um, between 1997 and let's say 2000 raw ratings were anywhere between 6.0 to 8.05 looks like the top the ratings now most recently 1.87 so clearly a very steep drop off there you know and then of course we look at um you know a lot of the other things let me see here yeah, I mean, there's there's a ton of shit that that you can see that yeah the the ratings uh, have declined, the ticket sales have declined, um, the 
venue merch is down. Now, WWEshop.com seems to be doing okay. And just looking at, at their numbers the past couple of years, I mean, they've had kind of spikes and dips and stuff like that. But the, the venue merch where you're, you know, where you should be making a ton of money because you're running fucking, you know, venues all the time has gone. And you've got a captive down. audience. Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, you know, you've, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where. And venue sales are down because fucking ticket sales are down. Right. And the less people in the building, the less potential customers you have to sell merch to. Yeah. And let's, let's not, let's not forget that they're, the people that are advertising with WWE are not the same people that advertise with WWE five, 10 years ago, because they're going to look at the ratings and stuff like that. And they're not going to get the sponsors that bring in the big money. They're going to get the sponsors that bring in okay money. Yes, they're still making money. I understand that, but they're not making as much money because I guarantee you Pepsi's not sitting there and looking at it and going, they just had a guy get thrown into a fucking porta potty. Well, let me go ahead and fork out $4 billion to sponsor this show for a fucking year. They're not going to get that anymore. That's why you used to have fucking... That's why if you look at the sponsors on the pay-per-views that we used to have. I mean, that's a big one, too, where you used to have big fucking companies on these things. And now you've got WB, like a WWE event presented by WWE Slam Crate. You're like, you're sponsoring yourself. <laughs> And it's just, it's one of those things, you know? I mean, I just, it, it, it's, it's a source of great irritation to me that people take such offense to just sort of looking at the stories we're being told. I just, oh, well, if you're clearly not, just not a fan of the fucking product. I don't know why you bother watching it. I am a fan of the product, and that's the problem. That's the problem. I don't like, I want this show to be great. I want this show to give me. The things I want this show to give me the feeling I get when I settle down and watch an average episode of NXT, or I want the pay-per-views to make me feel like I feel at the end of a takeover, where I can't fucking wait to know what happens. That's what I want. I want to feel like I felt at the end of Kenny Omega and Kazuchika Okada's story. I want to feel like I felt at the end of the Golden Lovers versus the Young Bucks. I want to feel like I was given a compelling story about grown adults in a competitive situation who are trying to get over on each other. Instead, I'm getting fucking grown-ass men throwing each other into porta potties mm-hmm. <sighs> That's what I'm getting. Yep. And I'm being told to be a star while we routinely mock Titus O'Neil on fucking television and make fun of him at every turn we can. That's true. Do you know who was the sponsor for, which one is this, for the 1999 SummerSlam? Was it Stridex? That was 98. Okay, that's close. Chef Boyardee. There you go. Do you know who was the sponsor for last year's SummerSlam? Uh, Rocket League? KFC. That's not a bad one. They're pretty much dead. Well, KFC and Cricket Wireless. Cricket Wireless is like the Kmart of fucking cell phone service. (laughs) (laughs) But that's what, like I said, that's one of those things. I mean, you know, back in in the uh, late 90s, Stridex was a huge fucking company, you know. And, you know, and now we're looking at sponsors where, yeah, you've had Rocket League as a sponsor. Every once in a great while, you get Snickers in there, which obviously is a big company, but... 
Um, yeah, but you look at some of the sponsors. Look at even the WB Network, uh, uh, something that is trying to bring in sponsors. Mm-hmm. WB Network at the fucking last pay per view ran a commercial for the pay per view. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're not getting any ad revenue if you're running a promote running a promotion for fucking Extreme Rules at the pre show of Extreme Rules. All right, it's just not gonna fucking happen. And that's and that's the issue. And then yeah, if you if you watch fucking Raw or SmackDown, you can see the level of sponsorship that you have there because you used to have JVC Kaboom Box and shit like that as your sponsors, and you used to have you know a lot more where. And now you're you're, you're like oh, uh, WB2K19 is a sponsor for is a commercial you're gonna keep keep seeing. Yeah, they're paying for part of that. <laughs> well, and and at the at the risk of, of beating sort of a dead horse here because we've talked about this God knows how many times ad nauseum, but the reality of the matter is you look back on those shows and those shows were headlined by performers who felt mm-hmm. special. It was, a, it was a big deal to see The Undertaker versus Stone Cold. It was a huge thing to see The Rock versus Mankind. These guys were, were booked and spelt, made to feel important and special. And the only one who's booked to feel important and special in the WWE these days is the guy who's never fucking there. All right. And, you know, um, as uh, me as well, at the risk of beating off a dead horse, you know, <laughs> the, the whole thing of like, well, they're still making money, so why do you even watch? Or the whole how's your territory going and stuff like that is a complete invalid argument anyways because yeah i i don't own the wwe i don't book the ad the wwe i gave the wwe money and they and those positions don't happen without guys like me without fans i'm a fan which means i can have an opinion on it and not and and you trying to tell me oh well they're still making money doesn't shoot down my facts being valid as it a just, paying customer, I'm yeah. more in line to be able to complain about the product I'm being rece- I'm receiving for my money. Right, because as soon as, as soon as an entity starts thinking that they don't need the people that provide them with money, that's when that entity fails. Because WWE is supposed to be putting on a on a show for us, for the fans. They're not supposed to be putting on a show for themselves, because then nobody would show up, and then they wouldn't get paid, and they wouldn't have jobs. So, yeah, they do need us. We are fans. And you know what? There's less of us every day because of things like this, because because of the wasted talent that we've got in the women's roster, roster that we, we have all these really fucking good women, that women, and we're not using them. And we've because got, for those of us that enjoy great storytelling and great in-ring performances, mm-hmm. there are so many alternatives nowadays that will yeah. provide us with that. Right. Because I can go online and watch Kana have a fucking tremendous match a couple of years ago and I and I don't have to turn on WWE TV and watch her fight a guy with no wrestling ability and no chin and no chin because that's another person I want to watch her fight actual women I want to watch her fight actual wrestlers you know I don't care if they're men, they're men or women I would love to see a match between her and Ty Dillinger I don't fucking care I just want to see them wrestle I want to see a guy like Ty Dillinger wrestle because he's a good fucking talent. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, I want to see Kevin Owens wrestle because that's what he does. Does, uh, does awesome. I don't want to see him to, fucking get thrown off the fucking side of a, of a, uh, of a ladder or whatever like that. And just might not be used. And again, to your point about the women's division, I, I've touched on this before too. Neither division 
is being represented by the best performers in that division. Right. Carmella, Alexa, Naya. These are all the women that are being showcased. Right. And none of them are the best of the best. Right. Uh, I you mean, they're starting to do something with Becky, but, I mean, geez. So you've got Becky, Charlotte, uh, Ember Moon, Sasha Banks, Bailey, all top of the heap on uh, of women's wrestling, and all of them bottom of the card. Yep. Not, not being used. And, yes, I love Alexa, but Alexa is... Alexa is your Stone Cold Steve Austin. Really good on the mic. Okay worker. You know, well, Austin was a great worker. He just didn't. It, he just didn't need to. He didn't. Right, he, he didn't but, translate to that character. Right. Exactly. But that, that's what I'm saying, though, is somebody that I they think a better on. representation would be the Undertaker, a guy who yes. got over mostly on go. his character. Yeah. So, she, yeah, she's she's the female Undertaker in this scenario. Carmella is that one time that they had Jack Swagger would be the champion. <laughs> <laughs> She has a lisp? I mean, maybe. I don't know. If Big Cass hits her enough, maybe. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's one of those situations where it's like, she, you know, Sasha Banks is a great fucking worker and a great character. Charlotte is a great fucking worker and a great character. And for whatever reason, they're not being used. Now, Charlotte's got a busted titty and Sasha Banks is apparently in a feud with a fucking toddler, but whatever. But the, but again, to the, to the point we talk about all the time with when I, when I shit on creative, that's mm-hmm. the point I'm talking about because none of those characters have changed or evolved yeah. or done anything different from the day. Who are the most over characters in the company right now? Braun Strowman has completely evolved from what he was when he came in. Mm-hmm. He's no longer a demonic, you know, Daniel Bryan, has completely evolved from what he was when he came in when he was some snot-nosed NXT rookie who didn't know shit about shit, and now he's a veteran and one of the portrayed as one of the greatest workers. AJ Styles came in as the pit bull. Now he's being represented and portrayed as... When characters evolve and people can sort of attach to them and and follow that growth and that transition, that is what causes people to to create loyalty to those characters. Yeah, you're you're best. They feel like they've grown with the characters. Yeah. What we have now is Sasha's the same as she was as she came in. Bailey's the same as she was in NXT. Mm. Charlotte's just the queen and she's Charlotte's again really no character, no gimmick, just a great wrestler. That's her gimmick. Becky's the sidekick. Um and this is up and down the men's division too. There's no development. Nothing changes in any of these people. It's the same fucking thing. And back in the day when we talk about the Attitude Era, the in-ring performance in the Attitude Era wasn't great, but you had compelling characters who changed. The Godfather became the good father. Was it a fucking good angle? No, but there was some development and change in the character, so he didn't get stale and stagnant. Uh, look at look at Val Venus. That was a... a- a character that shouldn't have lasted as long as it did. And he kept evolving. Right. And you look at it as well. Um, you know, someone Madonna's like, is not still running around on stage with a fucking, you know, uh, the big traffic cone bras anymore right. either. She's evolved as a performer. Right. You, you can look at it too. You know, a lot of these people, they, they turn heel or they turn face and don't act that much differently. And the the big the big one that we've seen recently is Shinsuke Nakamura completely reinvented himself, and it got over. Right. You look at a guy like Chris Jericho has continued to evolve as a character as yeah. well. 
and has he was he's completely different now than he was when he first came in when he was fucking three years ago you know i'll give you another great example that we talk about all the time the shield broke up seth evolved into something different Mm -hmm. dean evolved into something different roman stayed the same which one hasn't gotten over right yeah and you know so yeah but um at the in the interest of uh making sure we get some sleep tonight speaking of mr roman reigns remember remember i think it was two weeks ago i i made a i i made a mistake i said that very mature of you to be able to admit that i said that the revival were getting buried by being in the main event and losing to to roman reigns and and a throwing together take team or like that and then the last then last week happened and then this week happened and the revival are suddenly a focal point on raw and they're getting over because of it and they murdered roman reigns twice this week because the revival came out and interrupted a match hit a shatter machine on roman reigns which then of course led to a tag team match play up where, where roman reigns and bobby lashley teamed up against the revival and the revival hit him with another shatter machine they got he got hit with two shatter machines in the same night from a team that two weeks ago i would have said they're going to be released soon and now suddenly it's why aren't these guys the tag team champions? Well, there, there's a very good question as to why they're not tag team champions. Because, mm-hmm. and the answer is because we had to put those titles on Bray Wyatt and Matt Hardy. Yeah, you know, tag teams. Um, oh, you, you briefly touched on it, but let's not undersell the fact that also as part of this sort of storyline, that was a fucking amazing match that Roman, Seth, Drew, and Ziggler had. Oh gosh, I, yeah. I really loved that match. Um, Easily the best match on WWE television this week by far until 205 Live happened. Um, but, yeah, it, I, I said at the time, for the revival, it's sort of just a just being in the ring and being viewed next to guys like Lashley and Reigns is a, is a big boon for them, uh, given who they've been in the ring with in the past. So being able to be in there and hold their own with those guys was, was a boost. The fact that they've now gone on to pin Roman one week and just, like you said, decimate him the following week is a really good indicator that maybe their their arrow is finally trending in the up direction. Right. Yeah. And if they can stay healthy and not get hurt again. Oh, gosh. That's that's the biggest thing, too, because we've seen it, we've seen it with other guys, too, that, you know, sometimes the injury bug hits. I mean, you look at... Um, obviously Jack Swagger was, was a guy who, you know, got, got hurt. Dolph Ziggler was a guy who got hurt right after his, his thing, but he's kind of got healthy now. The Revival have had a lot of injury problems. Samoa Joe has had a lot of injury problems that continue to kind of hurt Speaking his of which, push as well. What the fuck is Joe? Uh, two weeks in a row, he hasn't even been an afterthought on SmackDown, much less on the show. I think they're, they're saving him for when Daniel Bryan is done with his current feud. Whatever that may be. Um... <laughs> Well, if you believe the advertising, AJ will be defending the championship against him at Hell in a Cell. So, yeah, there was um, there was also a video recently of uh, Bertie Bryan um, playing with some pictures that made us maybe think that uh, Daniel has some plans for his future uh, future opponents. Um, but yeah, it's you know, yeah, if, Are you if they can he might be him. all in. Uh, not yet. He's uh, he's under contract until well, no, he's under contract until September. 
Yeah. But he probably has a no no he probably has a no complete. Well, oh no, no, never mind. It's 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 going to be televised now. So yeah, they wouldn't be able to use him. We don't know that he has a no compete. We just assume that. I thought most most. Well, I gotta say, if I were Cody do. and the Young Bucks, I would totally change the name from All In to Balls Deep. But that's just me. I mean, that pretty much means the same thing. That might that might hurt their chances of getting, you know, some advertising. And if you're going to call it Balls Deep, you got to have Balls Mahoney on there. So you better get some shovels. Um, oh, so. <laughs> Uh, 205 Live has great matches every week. If you haven't already, hit, hop on hop on YouTube or hop on the WWE Network. Give them a cheap little plug there because they're going to need it. And check out Mustafa Ali and Buddy Murphy in the main event of 205 Live and tell me that that was not one of the better matches, possibly one of the best matches that we've seen all year. It, I feel that was a contender for match of the year. I don't think it'll win, but it should be in the, in the discussion. Yeah, it's in the discussion. It, I, to me, it doesn't top Almas and Gargano. It doesn't top Okada <laughs> and Omega. But it's definitely... I mean, this is... And, and to me, when we talk about how do you get people to care about 205 Live, this is, to me, the problem. Because when it came out, they put cruiserweights on Raw, but they put fucking shitty six-man tags out there to try to get name recognition for as many of these guys at one shot as they could. You take this match... And put this match in the middle of Monday Night Raw, you've got a crowd that cares about them. And you've got a crowd that says, holy shit, that was amazing. Let me go see where I can see more of that. The problem is, you'd have to take a 30-minute block in the middle of Raw to do that, and they're not going to take time away from the guys they deem to be bigger superstars. So you're relegated to this 205 Live slot after SmackDown, when half the crowd is left, the energy isn't the same in the building, and you've, your audience is significantly lowered on the network. That's why these people can't get over. It's not their work. If you put this match in the body of Monday Night Raw, these guys get over on Raw, on SmackDown, on a pay-per-view. Doesn't fucking matter. This match gets over anywhere. You have to have the faith in it and be willing to put it out there. Right, and there was there was some reports that Triple H had, had pulled the cruiserweights from Raw to kind of protect them from Raw's terrible booking. Yeah, wouldn't shock me. Yeah. So, yeah, it's... But the, the, the problem with that is that they're also now not on pay-per-views anymore. Right. So they, they're next week they're having their big championship, the culmination of their sort of new championship feud between Cedric Alexander and Hideo Itami, which, by the way, probably going to be a great match again. Right. Uh, and that's going to be on their show next week because it feels less important having the title defense not be on a pay-per-view. Right, yeah, and that's that's the problem is you know we went to these dual branded pay, branded pay per views and apparently we still can't find a way to throw two five live on there because it seems as if they've kind of just pretended that two five live doesn't exist anymore on the main main roster. So, um, it's, and it's not just it's not just the I mean, Buddy Murphy is an absolute fucking stud and a mm-hmm. star, and NXT missed the boat with him entirely. Uh, Mustafa Ali is a star. Cedric Alexander's a star. Hideo Itami's doing some of his best work. Uh, it's just top to bottom. There are so many guys on this show who are finally having an opportunity to show out and are taking full advantage of that opportunity. Uh, it just sucks for them that they, they started this brand showcasing the wrong talent in the wrong format and sort of just painted it with a bad brush right off the bat. Right. It's hard to win people back after you lose them. 
So and they they've they've tried, but again, I mean, you you tried to bring bring them in with Enzo Mori, and obviously that went the way it did. And you know, you tried to to have people watch because Sasha Banks was going to be on, or uh, Alicia Fox was on. Um, but yeah, Alicia Fox. So by the way, shout out to Noam Dar who returned this week. Yeah, very much so. Um, obviously, you know, we, we still enjoy it and you know, the people that, that enjoy just pure wrestling are, are going to search out and watch it. But it, that, that's the problem though, is that the majority of the WWE audience is people who like characters. And yeah. while there are some really good characters on there, most your, your average audience member doesn't know it exists. So, and, and, and if you haven't seen it, go fucking seek this match from this week out and, if you need any encouragement, I will give you only this. Triple jump moonsault from the guardrail to the announce table. I'm sorry. Triple jump Spanish fly from the guardrail to the announce table. Enough said. Go watch this fucking match. There you go. Um, in other news, uh, Bray Wyatt went to the Jan Ross driving school uh, because he was not uh, paying attention, apparently. Uh, he's the Eugene of multitasking because he turned around and got into a head-on crash with two other vehicles. Uh, wound up getting taken to the hospital. Obviously, was not on Raw. Um, we've had varying reports on the severity of his injuries, but uh, it sounds like uh, um, Big Bad Bray should be back by Extreme Rules, but who knows? They haven't removed that match yet from the card, um, but we haven't really got an update on if he's going to be cleared to work or not. Yeah, I don't find any humor in car accident stories. Obviously, it's just an absolute tragedy, and you know you hope he uh, heals up and gets back on the road soon. Yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully Bray is all good. We haven't really seen, you know, how he looks to see if there's any kind of facial lacerations or body lacerations. Uh, hopefully, there's no lasting effects to this or anything like that. Uh, and you know, uh, you know, we we won't really know the whole story on that, other than. He, you know, got cited for inattentive driving, and and hopefully it wasn't a situation where he was just kind of overworked because the wrestlers have to work a match, hop in a rental car, and drive to the next airport, and don't get a whole lot of downtime at certain points of time, and that can obviously lead to, you know, to weariness and things like that. But, um, yeah, we'll see. Hopefully, he he uh, is able to come back with a without any lasting effects at all. But we'll. If if he works the extreme rules match and he's not used all that much, we'll know that you know he's not doing okay. But so we'll have to kind of watch him during that match. The main event of the Perfect Ten, we talk about: Is this the best that WB can do with Daniel Bryan? Daniel Bryan came back from injury and immediately entered into a feud with with Big Cass, uh, which he humiliated Big Cass so much that they wound up firing him. And is now hooked back up with Kane and in a tag team title feud. But is this what we really wanted from a Daniel Bryan return? Uh, no. Uh, hell no. But uh, I'm okay with it on a one month sort of, you know, filler until SummerSlam. Uh, if this were to continue into SummerSlam, I would definitely be a little more annoyed by it. Uh, that said, um, there are better things you could have done with Daniel Bryan in, in the process of this, but Team Hell No has a little nostalgia. It gives you a little something to do for a couple weeks. Uh, like I said, it, it gives you an opportunity to put off 
the Miz Daniel Bryan feud while you've sort of kept the Miz involved in this uh, thing. So I, I'm really sort of okay with it. I don't like the tag titles being a thing involved in this, but it's fine. If this ends up going into a thing where like Kane turns on Daniel Bryan and then they're feuding at SummerSlam, yeah, then I'm going to be totally pissed. I I agree. Um, we have heard some rumors that because of the fact that Daniel Bryan is not signed a new contract that maybe WWE is, is holding off on doing some of the things that we could have been seeing because they're not sure if he's even going to be around. They're um, not sure if he's all in. Yeah. He's not sure if he's all in or not. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that we could do better and I think, you know, the timing of his return might've been a little bit better too, because obviously when he returned, there were still a lot of storylines going on stuff like that. And a lot of plans have already been in place. And, and obviously it's somebody that you want to see in the main event and maybe he doesn't have, a position in the main event right now, but he should very soon. So, but yeah. Um, so my, uh, uh, we're going to debut a new segment next week and we want to hear some feedback from you on maybe some possible things that you might want to see me and Jason, of course, are two incredibly smart individuals, incredibly good looking, incredibly big dicks. And because of that, we are aficionados on how to fix problems within the wrestling business. So who do you feel or what storyline do you feel needs the rundown to help fix them, put them back on track? You know, it could be, could be, you know, somebody who might need a little gimmick change or, or a little bit different direction or, or a feud that you think might, could be a little bit better. Why don't you go ahead and, and, and ask us and we'll, we'll tell you what we would do to help fix things. Uh, with that, we're going to yeah, take can, a look. Uh, they can uh, have us. They can, of course, hit us up on any of the social media, which we'll give them at the end of the show. Facebook, uh, Twitter. Do we have an Instagram page? No. We nope. Because it would be <laughs> fucking Troy's dick pics. Yes. Um, uh, of no, course they, they, they censor things on there. It would just be my nipples just to kind of <laughs> stick it to the women. Uh, of course, you can email the show or even preferably leave us a voicemail with your take on, on what you'd like to hear us here yeah. are takes on how we would fix an angle that is an angle or a character that is struggling and scuffling. Yeah, there you go. All right, taking a look at what's going on around your area. The River City Championship Wrestling returns to be part of the River Fest Lacrosse in 2018. Join us on the North Stage Lawn in Riverside Park on July 7th for the best in live local professional wrestling action. Admission to the show is included with your Riverfest button. Already signed, the heavyweight championship will be on the line as the natural Chris Black takes on Kyle Roberts, also scheduled to appear. The RCCW Star of the Year, Aesop Mitchell, who is also the City of Lacrosse champion, AC Riley, Colin Brooks, Derek St. Holmes, Coda Jacobs, and more. And ICW returns on July 8th to the La Pica Lounge otherwise known as the ICW Arena. VIP doors will be 2.30. Doors for non-VIP will be 3.30, 4 p.m. bell time. The main event will see a lumberjack strap match, boards of death match, as the hated one Kato takes on dysfunction. The ICW World Championship will be on the line as ice pick Vic Capri takes on the Greek franchise Jiku Janos. The ICW Tag Team Championships will be on the line in a no-weapons-allowed match. As Special Forces, Blazing Benjamin and Corporal Robinson takes on Shoots and Wanderers, Shooter, Marciano, and A.C. Riley with Jason J. 
And the feud rages on as former rundown uh, sit-down guest Fable One Aesop Mitchell takes on the Midwest legend Derek St. Holmes. Also have take team action as the high-class violence Pitstain and Mo Foley will take on Bear Kingdom Juan Hernandez and Oso Turco. And anything goes street fight between Psycho Chase McCoy and Peter B. Beautiful. We'll also have an intergender tag team match as Straight Hatred, Zach McGowan, and Jack Blackwell take on ICB Midwest champion The Marman and Dana White. High class violence. Is there. Wait. Zach McGuire and Jack Blackwell would take on the Marman and Dana Adiva because that's an actual female that would be in the match. High class violence Rock King will take on freedom fighter Garrison Creed, Jacob Hoffman versus Hot Topic Tyler Baggins, and Mikey Wilde takes on Simon Says. Uh, Lucky Pro Wrestling returns to the Elks Hall in Clinton, Mass. on Saturday, August 11th with Summer Sizzle. No match is official yet, but... Taylor Hendricks, as discussed on the rundown, uh, has confirmed as appearing, plus Alicia Edwards won an impromptu number one contenders match at Star Clash 5, and we will find out if her title match will take place on the 11th. Doors open at 7 p.m., live wrestling at 7.30. Tickets for this event are $15 or four-pack for $50. Tickets are available online or at the one-stop shop in Clinton, Massachusetts. Also, UFO Wrestling goes back where it all started as they present Big Bang 10 on Thursday night, August 23rd at the Malden Irish American with a bell time of 7 p.m. In the main event, the UFO Heavyweight Champion and Ring of Honor star, the Kingpin, Brian Malonis, defends his title against the returning masshole, Mike McCarthy. The cool people defend the UFO Tag Team Championships against the reuniting red carpet club of Bo Douglas and Jason Rumble. Former Impact Wrestling star Robbie E goes one-on-one with the international male Aaron Amadeus. The selfie-made man Vern Vicalo takes on New England Pro Wrestling Hall of Famer Slick Wagner Brown. Also, there's going to be a special autograph session with former WCW Impact and WWE star Ernest the Cat Miller. Somebody better call his mama. Autographs, $25. Photo ops, $25. A combo pack with both is $40. And there's a limited package deal for $50, which includes a combo option up to five items signed, plus a second or third row seat with a separate meet and greet 30 minutes before the doors open. Also scheduled to appear on the show, The Widow Belmont, Davian, Adam Barisano, The Murder Lodge, Dan Terry, The Biggest of Them All, Benny Jux, The Prize, Alec Price, the professional Channing Thomas, and many more. Front row tickets are $15. General admission are $12. And for more information, check out UFO Wrestling on Facebook. And to reserve your tickets, you can use the friends and family feature at paypal.me slash Patrick Dillon. And that does it for the rundown for this Thursday, July 6, 2018, or most likely Friday, July 7th. It has been 459 <laughs> days since Brock Lesnar lost the WWE Universal Championship somewhere in the back of his pickup truck. You can like us on Twitter at, Rund- at Rundown Podcast. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash rundownwrestling. Email the show via rundownwrestling at gmail.com. Leave us a voicemail like nobody does at 617-863-6967 at 61rundown7. We are on Patreon. Uh, become a patron at patreon.com slash rundownwrestling, where you can get shit for free, but not really for free, because you're paying for it. Listen to our friends, the Kingpin Brian Malonis and Mike Crockett on the wrestling podcast about nothing. 
with new podcasts every Monday. Facebook.com says the WPAN or the WPAN.com. Check out our friend Justin Michaels on the show Yesterland Waltz on Tough TV. Go to ToughTV.com to stream it live. Stay tuned to the Rundown Wrestling Podcast to hear our other shows, Endings to Your Visited, which should be coming back next month, the Rundown Sit-Down, WrestleMania Salvation, Glow Stick, and the Nitromania Podcast. You can follow our hosts at jstewart0920, at rockstartroy, at Kobe Did Nothing Wrong, and at the <laughs> Seltzer Effect, or at Johnny Analog. Thanks to everyone for listening. Inside jokes are hilarious. <laughs> Thanks to Jason. Hey, thanks, Troy. Thank you. No thanks to Troy's internet connection. That's right. Which apparently has decided to die. This is what happens when you live in live in a town with less than three thousand people in it. You and Adam need to spring for better internet because I. This is the only option I have. Or hardwire. I don't know. I'm I, I might. I might have to start hardwiring again. Yeah, I think so. Next week we fight with the pussies. The harder the wire, the better. <laughs> I guess that means we'll uh, see you. Next Thursday? Bye-bye. The Rundown Wrestling Podcast was created and subsequently bequeathed to us following the untimely death of Adam Sanford and is produced and edited by Jason Stewart. This episode was hosted by me and Jason and Jason's penis. We are a member of the Questionable Endeavor Network. Check out all of our other podcasts, which may or may not exist still, and the other shows that may or may not still be running on questonetwork.com. And tune in next week for an all-new episode of the Rundown Wrestling Podcast.